Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, here we find ourselves in church, as we often do on a week-to-week basis, and, and uh, church, well, church is funny at some times, isn't it? The things that we think are significant and important, well, sometimes maybe we get a little bit off on what really is supposed to be important, because we talk about all kinds of things that matter, and, and yet, do they? What really makes us significant as followers of Jesus? Uh, we often look at the leaders, right? If we have a great leader and, and we focus on them and, 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 and sometimes lift them up as these people that we should, we should live our lives after and listen to them. And, and yet, what does that do and say about the rest of us? Uh, are we second rates? Are we just uh, those who, of us who uh, languish in obscurity? What does that say about us? Larry Osborne, who uh, is a free church pastor out in San Diego, California, when he was coming out of seminary and he was talking with a, a particular denomination, he's the executive in there, uh, telling, was talking with him about the steps he's going to take in his life. He says, okay, so first of all, let's put you in, uh, in, in a stepping stone church. This will be a church that, well, it's kind of dying, it's not doing really well, and really there's not much hope for it, but, but uh, it's a great place for you to start off, and you can practice and get, get used to what it's like to ministry. And if you don't mess up too badly, then we can move you on into a, a, a little better church as it goes along, and you'll get, you can build your career that way. And, and, uh, and, and Osborne, who was looking at the gospel and looking at Jesus and was a little bit disoriented by this. He's like, so you really don't care about this church. <laughs> it's, and you don't want me to care about it. It's just a stepping stone for me. And, and, uh, and, and he uh, eventually decided to go with what he calls a different tribe with a different perspective on it because what matters in this life? Sometimes we think we have an idea, well, it's just about advancing and, and, and growing personally, but what is significance about? Well, we've been looking at the, the book of Acts over this summer, and, and as we've been looking at this, we've been seeing what is emerging as, as God's people following Jesus Christ and, and the various ways that God is using them and directing them and placing them in different places. And the way he does that is, well, it's not a strategy anyone thought of sometimes. Jesus begins the book as he talks with his disciples, having resurrected from the dead and about to ascend into heaven. And, and he says to them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and after seven chapters, they really are still only in Jerusalem. And, and it is a persecution that scatters the followers of Jesus to Judea and Samaria areas around Jerusalem and begins doing what Jesus actually wanted them to do. What a strategy. A weird strategy. But as they moved, as they were scattered because of persecution, they spoke about Jesus. And the gospel of Jesus went forth. And, and how this continues to move on, uh, last week we looked at Saul, who was, well, one of the, 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 the guys who 
began persecuting the church, who was, was heading up and overseeing it all and giving approval to the arresting of, of Christians because this Christian faith, this following this Jesus, it had to be eradicated. It was a threat to the very fiber of the faithful community of God. And and on his way to another city, having given permission to go to another city, to another country, to gather some of these, these terrible people who are ruining our faith, Jesus himself comes to him and, and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's like, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting. And, and begins a transformation and a conversion of him from being adamantly opposed to those who talk about Jesus, to becoming a proponent. So much as so that that's in Damascus and then later in Jerusalem, uh, many are trying to kill him because uh, he is, his arguments are, are befuddling to them and, the, and they feel that now he needs to be gotten rid of. So all that we've been following and tracking and then we, uh, we get a little bit of interlude here as the, the, the message advances. And at the end of chapter 9, of the, the book of Acts, we begin to see, well, Peter comes up again. And the last time we saw Peter, he had been to a city in Samaria and, and saw many people in Samaria come to faith in Jesus. And he continues to do a work. It's kind of like we shift our scene from Saul and, and he's going to start growing and there's peace in the church at the end of the passage we looked at last week. And now, what is Peter up to? And so in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 32, we get back to Peter. As Peter traveled around the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Well, if you've read through the book of Acts previously, uh, there's, there's these, kind of these big stories that really catch our attention, and, and one of them is Saul's conversion, and then, and then the, the conversion of a guy named Cornelius, which whom we will discover in chapter 10. Cornelius is, is a full-on Gentile, meaning not Jew at all, and for him to come to faith is going to blow their, their socks off on some level, but we're not there yet. How do we get there? Uh, part of the story here gets Peter in a place where he's not too far from where, where Cornelius is in Caesarea, 
But is that all there is to it? Why is this passage in here? What's there about it? Well, this passage introduces us to a, a number of things. One, Peter is traveling around. He's not staying around in Jerusalem. He's going from, to different towns. And what, is it say, what does it say he's doing? Well, he's visiting with other saints, as they are called. Those who are following Jesus and, and, and have come to know him. And he's talking with these groupings of, of believers, encouraging them. And, and, and you can see that Peter would be a great person to do this. One day, I mean, I mean Jesus, or Peter was, was a witness of, of what Jesus had done. He was there. And he could tell him, you know, there was this time. And, and we were, were sitting around the fire, and we were asking Jesus. And he's telling us these stories about what the kingdom of God is about. And, and then there was this other time we're on the boat. And all the stories that, that Peter would have, he's able to say, I saw these things happen. They really happened. And, and then is able to talk about his ascension. And then as the spear comes on, and he gives the message and 3,000 people confess Jesus as Lord in, in one setting. Peter was a great ambassador to tell people, this is really good, and this is really happening. And, and you who have come to faith, this is, this is how it is. Now, we don't know how these people came to faith. We don't know if they were scattered as well with the others after Stephen died at the end of, of chapter 7, or if it was because in that time when Jesus, uh, or when Peter did that message, and 3,000 people, maybe some of those were heard, the disciples talk in, in other languages. However it is, there's this group, and he goes to visit them. And, and then there's Aeneas. Well, the, Aeneas is in a bed, and so he has to go to his place, undoubtedly, and, and he goes into his place and, and says, Aeneas, the Lord Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Peter had seen Jesus heal similar circumstances. Uh, he was there when, as it's described in Mark chapter 1, where they're in a house in, in the region of Galilee, and, and Jesus is teaching, and, and as they're going along, you know, some dust starts falling, and then little pieces of straw, and then all of a sudden the whole roof opens up, and these four guys who had brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus to be healed couldn't get into the doorway, so they climbed onto the roof and opened up the roof and let him down into the middle of this crowd, and, and Jesus healed him. Peter would have seen that. He said, well, yeah, Jesus can do this. And so he brings healing to Aeneas. And then everyone in the community is like, whoa. Aeneas is walking. I mean, he wasn't just down for like eight weeks or so. He hadn't sprained an ankle or, or torn a meniscus or something like that. He had been bedridden for eight years. And so the news about him raising from his bed, it, would, it made the news. It was story. And so people heard about it. And they're like, what, what is this? And, and, and what's, how did this happen? And they would have heard about Peter being there. And Peter would have talked about Jesus. And, and others said, yeah, that we have faith that Jesus, he died, but he rose again. And he's the son of God. And, and the story goes on. And, and then the story of Peter being there filters over to the, the next town. Lydda, you see, is about, it's about 25 miles away from Jerusalem. Again, where the church had settled initially. And so northwest, about 25 miles, is Lydda. And, and then another 10 miles um, towards the coast, right on the coast, is the town of Joppa. And uh, one of the, the main uh, the ports for the, the country. And they heard about the fact that Peter was there. And so they sent a couple people because 
Well, Tabitha, that wonderful Tabitha, she's died. And, and they say, get Peter here at once. And so Peter goes. And why, why someone there couldn't pray for her, I don't, we don't know. Sometimes God uses particular people with skills or with the, the gifting of healing, and Peter was uh, clearly one of them. They heard about Aeneas, and so like, well, maybe he can do something about Tabitha. She's dead, but who knows? And so Peter goes, and well, he'd seen this too. He'd seen Jesus, Jesus heal a young boy and a woman and, and raise Lazarus, and so... So he clears everyone out, and, and this widow, or this, uh, uh, this woman, this great servant, Tabitha, is raised again. A beautiful story. So it, it raises a couple questions for us, doesn't it? What is God doing? And why is he, why is he doing this? Who is Aeneas? I mean, aren't there a lot of people with problems in Jerusalem that could probably use a healing? And, and well... Just a couple chapters back when Stephen was dying, <laughs> wouldn't it have been a good thing to, for Peter's sake, you know what, get up, Stephen. We're going to have you raised from the dead. But that didn't happen for Stephen. But for Tabitha, it does. What is God up to? I really don't have an answer for that. Except that, that God's work is mysterious to us. The way he works in some ways is... is is mind-boggling, and yet he's still at work. And, and what we see as a result of these things, we see as a result of Stephen's death, his testimony to the Lord, but also the, the persecution that comes, God uses that. And this healing of Tabitha and this healing of Neus helps encourage people's faith, maybe a fledgling faith at that point, wondering, is this really real? But I think one of the one of the sidebars here is, is we hear about Aeneas and Tabitha. How many other people pretty much just languish in obscurity? We don't hear anything about them, but are they faithful followers of the Lord? Yeah, certainly they are. So, But who cares about them? We just want to hear about Saul and Peter. And, but the Lord gives us other stories. Stories about people who are making a difference in some way, shape, or form and, and being introduced to them. It says of Tabitha that, that her kindness was known to everyone, her goodness, the things that she made. And as they, as they gathered, there was, they showed all the different kind of robes and the ways that she was helping people out in a, in a community where you couldn't just go get a pair of jeans at Walmart. Someone who helped make clothes and take care of people's clothing needs was, was pretty important. And, and she cared for others. And, and certainly the the widows in the community, they, uh, they were surrounding her, being ministered to her on, on some level. God uses a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And, and we have different interactions with people that we'd say, who cares? Well, God cares. <laughs> Enough to say that there's some people that, yeah, maybe they're not going to make the, the, the hall of fame, but maybe they should because... God uses all of us in different ways. Who are we? And here we are, uh, many of us living on this island, some of us visiting on this island, but uh, we're not known on the national stage by any way, shape, or form. What difference do we make? Do we have significance? 
the answer is yeah we matter and we have these stories of these obscure people because the church is filled with all kinds of people who just go about their lives doing and caring for others in ways that almost no one will ever see Luke brings one of those people to our focus to help us to see that well there's more going on than just the superstars that all of us have a place in this that's one of my favorite stories uh, about Teddy and Miss Thompson Miss Thompson was a school teacher who every year would say to her students boys and girls I love you all the same I have no favorites of course she wasn't being completely truthful. Teachers do have favorites, and what's worse, they have students they simply don't like. Teddy Stallard was a boy that Miss Thompson simply didn't like, and for good reason. He didn't seem interested in school. He wore a deadpan blank expression on his face, and his eyes were glassy and unfocused. When she spoke to Teddy, he merely shrugged his shoulders. His clothes were must and his hair unkempt. He wasn't an attractive boy, and... He certainly wasn't likable. And so whenever she marked Teddy's papers, she got a certain perverse pleasure about putting X's next to the wrong answers. And when she put the F's on top of his paper, she did it with a flare. She should have known better. She, uh, she had Teddy's records, and she knew more about him than she wanted to admit. You see, the records read, first grade, Teddy shows promise with his work and attitude, but poor home situation. Second grade, Teddy could do better. Mother is seriously ill. He receives little help at home. Third grade, Teddy is a good boy, but too serious. He's a slow learner. His mother died this year. Fourth grade, Teddy is very slow, but well behaved. His father shows no interest. At Christmas, the boys and girls in Miss Thompson's class brought her presents piled them on her desk and crowded around to watch her open them. Among the presents was one from Teddy Stallard. She was surprised that he had brought her a gift. Teddy's gift was wrapped in brown paper and held together with scotch tape. On the paper were written the simple words for Miss Thompson from Teddy. When she opened Teddy's present, out fell a gaudy rhinestone bracelet with half the stones missing and a bottle of cheap perfume. The other boys and girls began to giggle and smirk over Teddy's gifts, but, but Miss Thompson had at least enough sense to silence them by, by immediately putting on the bracelet and, and dotting some of the, the perfume on her wrist, holding her wrist up for the other children to smell. Doesn't it smell lovely? And the other children taking their cue from their teacher readily oh, ah. Well, when sc school was over and the other children had left, Teddy lingered. He slowly came over to her desk and said softly, Miss Thompson, Miss Thompson, you smell just like my mother. And her bracelet looks real pretty on you, too. I'm glad you like my presence. When Teddy left, Miss Thompson got down on her knees and asked God to forgive her. And the next day, when the children came to school, they, they were welcomed by a new teacher. Miss Thompson had become a different person, she was no longer just a teacher. She had become an agent of God, committed to loving her children and doing things for them that would live on after her. She helped all the children, but especially the slowed ones, and especially 
Teddy Stallard. By the end of that school year, Teddy showed dramatic improvement. He caught up with most of the students and was even ahead of some. Once the school year ended, Miss Thompson didn't hear from Teddy for a long time. And then one day she read a note that said, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I'll, I'll be graduating second in my class at high school. Love, Teddy Stellard. Four years later, another note came. Dear Miss Thompson, they just told me I'll be graduating first in my class. I wanted you to be the first to know. The university's not been very easy, but, but I had a good four years. Love, Teddy, Teddy Stallard. And then four years later, Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore Stallard, MD. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. I'm getting married next month, the 27th to be exact, and I want you to come and, and sit where my mother would sit if she were alive. You are the only family I have now. Dad died last year. Love, Teddy Stallard. Well, Miss Thompson went to that wedding and sat where Teddy's mother would have sat. She deserved to be there. She had done something for Teddy that he could never forget. Sometimes we wonder, what can I do? What impact do I have? I'm, I'm not a leader. I'm not anyone special. What difference can I make? But in the lives and the directions of many people around us, we can have an impact. In seeing that the Lord Jesus working in our lives and amongst others, we can have tremendous impact. Tabitha shows up in Scripture. Who cares about Tabitha? God cares about Tabitha. And God cares about you and who you are and what you're doing and, and your life. And not only the life, a life that he loved so much that he came to this earth to talk about the kingdom of God, but also died for you so that you can be restored. But he also does a work in you, transforming you, doing a work in your heart and your soul. But not only that, God is doing a work through you because each of us have different people that we intersect with in this world, that we have an impact, that our life and our faith in God's presence, his existence, and his work for us all, that we matter. That great theological principle in Gen Genesis 1, that when God creates mankind, he creates us in his image. Male and female, he creates us. Oh, we matter to God. You matter to God, as do those who you rub shoulders with. So what is it that God has done in you? And what is it that God is going to do through you? What's that next person or connection that you make that can make all the difference? Because God's work in you. Let's stand for closing prayer. Lord, thank you for this day, and, and thank you for funny little passages like this that on some level just help move the story along for Peter to be discovered by Cornelius' friends, but they also reveal that you're doing a work 
in all kinds of places and in all kinds of lives. And Lord, in, in our lives, whether they're on prominent stages or in, in backwaters, you know where we're at. And you know those with whom we will connect with. May we be guided by your Spirit, recognizing you've gifted us, you've impassioned us, that we matter to you and those around us matter as well. May we speak of and live for the work you've done on our behalf. May we be guided by your Spirit and strengthened in this relationship you've given to us through our Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.